Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, here's an award-winning tale of how Amazon and Whiskers reinvented the e-com giant's cardboard delivery boxes as media and a play centre for cats with every Amazon Australian order delivered in a medium or large box over eight weeks during COVID. Remember that little global disruption. Well, the idea sent sales soaring 70% for Whiskers, which also tapped Amazon's ad network and storefront for a fully integrated execution. Now, for those of us on the outside, the parallels between the beer and cat food categories are hardly obvious, but both actually have similar competitive headwinds, namely lots of challenger brands, sniping or perhaps scratching in this case, see what I did there, yes, at well-established category leaders. Like Craft beer, craft cat food brands collectively are making the category worth billions globally quite the showdown. In the case of Whiskers, part of the Mars pet care portfolio, it remains market leader, but not for cat owners aged under 45. It has been battling perceptions that smaller niche upstarts are better. So enter Amazon. After months of strategy and logistics planning, the e-com powerhouse, Whiskers and its agency, Essence Mediacom, landed on a clever plan which ultimately landed them the gong for innovation and media at the 2022 Media Federation Awards. But there's more in this can. Whiskers will this year unveil a big brand overhaul partly designed to woo younger segments. So on the mics today to talk through how the strategy came to life, What's happened since and what's next is Camille Shepard, Portfolio Marketing Director at Mars Pet Care, Essence Mediacom's Chief Strategy Officer, Sophie Price, and Client Managing Partner, Michelle O'Brien. Welcome to you all. I'm looking forward to this one because there's a lot of parallels going on across a lot of sectors, I think, um, uh, in terms of pet care. Camille, to you first, before we get to Amazon's magic cat food selling boxes, which is quite a, you know, an extraordinary effort uh, or, or result, talk us through the category and brand challenges, which I think are definitely playing out globally, right? Not just here. Welcome to Cam. Definitely. Thanks, Paul. Firstly, the pet care category is a really attractive category to play in. We're seeing such strong growth, both in developed and emerging markets, and that growth is, you know, well ahead of other established categories in FMCG. We're seeing pet population increasing. Um, If you're one of those people that got a pet during COVID, you're not alone. And, you know, pet parents love their pets. They're spending more and more on them every year. And now pet parents can access pet advice, pet food, pet accessories in so many different Uh, in a variety of different ways, whether that's online subscription models, pet specialty stores. So because it is such an attractive category uh, and we've seen that category premiumise, new brands, of course, have entered into that that market, which has put pressure on on Whiskers. Uh, However, Whiskers still is the number one cat food brand in Australia and has held that position for numerous of years, but it hasn't been without its challenges, that's for sure. Yeah, and it is, but it, as you say, two things really. The category, both here and globally, is in growth. What the numbers sort of up upwards of ten percent, I think, is is what you're seeing in the, in the category domestically and internationally. Yes, correct. So well in the double digit growth, and even just to put some numbers behind the pet population piece, we're seeing you know cat pet population growth 
well over 3%, which, you know, traditionally has been quite flat. So, people are really either engaged in the category, already in the category, or considering about getting a pet and adding a pet to their life to enter into the category. And is this because we're sort of all over humans, so we're going for pets? What's the the drivers for this, this pet population growth? Absolutely. Pets are the future, Paul. I mean, you know, Well, I'm people... done with humans. I can promise you. It's all good. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely not alone. We're seeing, you know, the trends around people not getting um, or adding human babies into their lives into later in life. And so fur babies play that really critical role of that next stage of life. And they're doing that earlier and spending more on them than ever. Mm. And so just the explosion in, in the competitive set that you're dealing with, uh, how long has that been going for, Cam? Is it five, six, seven years? When did you really see it kick in? Yeah, because it is pet care as a total level is such an attractive category. We're seeing and we have seen new enters into that category in three treats and dog predominantly, particularly heightened over the last five to seven years. But of course, cat is as well an attractive place to play and seeing new um, brands enter in that space. A lot of them have been based on the natural trend, you know, that we're seeing in the category as well and a more natural niche style propositions enter, but nonetheless still enter the category. And just really quickly, you know, we talk about a, a relevancy issue in under 45-year-olds. What is that about? What's happening in the, in the public perception? For any scale, legacy, you know, brand with such a long history like we do with Whiskers, we've been in this country and serving pet parents for over 50 years, we have that challenge of needing to continually find new ways to connect with that next generation of cat parents and remain relevant to them and continue to serve them. So in particular, this is a challenge that we worked with our, you know, media partners on um, around how do we talk to and capture that under 40 audience in particular, under 45 audience. So Sophie Price, with all that as a backdrop, um, and it's a really interesting one, um, how, how did a cardboard box emerge as a sales superhero? How did the idea pop up? Because it was a first, I think, for Amazon and it was the first for the market. And it's bang on when you think about it, you go, oh, that's quite obvious, but it hadn't been done before. How did it emerge? Talk us through that. Cool. Well, I'll take a step back in terms of um, looking at, you know, recapping on the brief. So as Cam said, our brief was to revitalise whiskers for that new generation, that under 40s. And primarily to connect with them in the e-com space, um, a lot of this audience buy their cat food online now and are attracted, as Cam said, to new boutique cat brands in this space. So given that context, Amazon Australia was identified as a, as a great partner for us, first and foremost. I mean, 35% of Amazon shoppers are cat owners under 45, which is extraordinary in itself. That's huge, isn't it, really? It's, it's yeah, it's, it's really skews, yeah. And it's, um, you know, and Amazon's... A, a fast-growing DTC channel for for Mars as well. So the brief um, from Essence Mediacom on behalf of Whiskers to Amazon Ads was that we needed to go beyond ads. We wanted to create an idea that would boost cultural relevance during COVID, as you mentioned, and capture the hearts of this cat-loving audience. I think um, econ can be seen as quite a functional sort of space, Mm. and we really wanted to go beyond ads in that space. So We worked with um, Amazon have a brand lab team that kind of do the above and beyond advertising bits. Um, And so together we leveraged um, the following insight, which was probably, if I was to pick a moment, it was probably the aha moment of how cardboard boxes arose. And that insight was that during COVID, you know, restrictions obviously forced us to spend more time at home. And we saw, you know, everyone's use of e-com booming. 
And with that, though, what we saw was that cats in those homes were mastering turning those basic delivery boxes into a world of play. It kind of really taps into their their natural instincts, which is really important to Whiskers as a brand. You know, cats absolutely love boxes. They They hide in them, they pounce in them, they sleep in them. So as a team, as an integrated team, we set out to transform all of the Amazon medium to large brown boxes, which had never been done before, as you said, into these exciting play destinations for cats. So that's really how it came about. Not the obvious solution to a a youth cat-owning problem. (laughs) No, but and so I guess the idea as well as Amazon being such a large player and using, you know, we see it on cornflakes or or on cereal packs, for instance, lots of, you know, media being used by other brands. Um, The Amazon box took this long for it to actually go, oh, we can do something with that. And was it a no-brainer when you first sort of came across it? Was it like, yeah, that's it? Yeah, no-brainer, particularly in the context of the boom that we'd seen in e-com. And I think now they're going to be doing a lot more of it. We, We call it an idle asset in media terms. It's kind of using things that have actually amazing reach and scale, but aren't being utilised as yet. And I think this was a, the first of um, hopefully a few opportunities that Amazon will be able to put forward for, for our clients as well. So, Kim, just talk us through then what happened when this idea was prepared. I think you probably you were uh, across the broad uh, sense of it, but when it all sort of was packaged up and said, here's what it looks like, what was your sense on it uh, versus other things that you'd seen hitherto prior to um, this Yeah, we absolutely loved the idea. I think exactly to Sophie's point around maybe wasn't the obvious solution, but how it creatively still delivered on the objectives is what we loved. Such a strong cultural insight, pet parents at home, brand insight and the cat curiosity components within that. And then just such a powerful way that we could ultimately execute on on the idea. So from our perspective, we were really looking forward to supporting it and backing it in hard. The piece in the back of my brain (laughs) that was rattling around was definitely this component around I knew it wasn't going to be straightforward in the sense that we were relying on you know our partnerships that we have in place with Amazon Amazon were really to own that brand experience when you think fulfillment execution Mm. cardboard boxes all those kind of things so we knew it was really going to be so many things could go wrong right (laughs) right (laughs) easy Mm, mm, yeah Uh, and because of that it definitely wasn't a barrier but it was something that we knew was going to require a partnership effort yeah and so were there any other ideas in the shortlist or was this is the, the killer um, idea? There's so many ideas that come from uh, Essence Media Comps so we're very lucky in that instance, but it was definitely one that we felt like if we thought of our total brand support plans for Whiskers of that year could play really well into, if we think of, we talk reach, relevance, reaction, and mm. again, you know, total principles around always on reach and other moments that matter, this is something that really played into the broader support for Whiskers for that year really well. Was it really, really different to anything you'd done previous? Uh, was it more media and activations in different ways that you, you'd done, or this is just another iteration of that? It wasn't sort of right, it wasn't an outlier? This is really different. We've never partnered with a retail media partner or retail partner in this way before um, with Whiskers. And we'd never been able to see the opportunities within that partner in a really different way to still deliver some fantastic results. So whilst 
maybe, you know, we had seen cats in boxes at some point in time. It wasn't a Whiskers branded execution and it didn't deliver upon a total ecosystem experience as well. Mm. Michelle O'Brien, so, you know, crunch time, how and when did all the components come together for this campaign execution? I'm really interested in when boxes, there was ads on the platform, Whiskers was selling product. Just talk us through all the components and how they sort of stitched together because it, it is quite the integrated effort, right? Yeah, totally, Paul. So I think um, first and foremost, we had to make sure that we could deliver on the boxes because that was pretty integral to making it work. And there were quite uh, long lead times with production of the boxes. So just out of interest, Michelle, how how many boxes were rolled out, were delivered? It was in the hundreds of thousands, um, Paul, in terms of um, what we delivered. But it was really, we really worked um, very closely with the Amazon Australia in-house design team. It wasn't something that we could typically just design ourselves. We needed to work together with them because they obviously understood the complexity, the specs and all those kinds of things and, and what would work and what wouldn't. They also helped us push the boundaries a little bit, which was which was great. And obviously then we came up with three key designs there, which was car, cat, car, um, cat castle and then obviously cat office as well, given that everybody was working from home. So um, it was a lot of fun there. But so we worked together with uh, the Amazon Australia team. They really helped us with the production of that. And then all of the other assets, of course, could fall out of that across the ecosystem. So the boxes were obviously the central part of that. But around that was a full ecosystem a digital ecosystem, if you like. Uh, we talk in Mars land, we talk in funnels, um, as you'd imagine, where there's reach relevance and, and reaction. And certainly the box was at the centre of the reach component. It had some scale to it that we really loved, but also from a relevancy perspective, you know, we had to then do, there was the QR code that drove to a branded store page and on that branded store page was housed was housed some how to instructions about how to how to construct the box, as well as some user generated uh, incentives etc. To be able to to share and um, share amongst uh, their communities as well. So we right. did we did that as well as obviously some usual suspects in some video inventories and display etc. That that filled out the ecosystem. And that was targeted, I imagine, to those pet owners on the Amazon uh, platform, Correct. right? So it only went to those people. So it was almost a, a reminder uh, of what they'd already been exposed to. Is that how it was sort of planned? Definitely. There was also some retargeting in there from people who'd obviously already interacted with the comms as well. So yeah, a full system. Okay, so Camille, we know what happened. It, was, it worked, fuel, but how long did it take for sales to kick in? And what happened to the perceptions of the brand? Did it start to shift straight away? Were you tracking that? So just talk us through uh, what happened. And I'm really interested in whether you can talk through some of that retargeting and whether it actually worked. So did it trigger a purchase or a transaction because they were being reminded, oh, I saw that and, you know, how that follow-up activity actually, you know, worked together. I'd be interested in, in that as well. It's always a balance. I mean, we wanted results overnight, but we're wanting the longevity behind it as well too. And I think a benefit of being able to work with Amazon is you can see the benefits of both. You can get data and results on on both those kind of timeframes. So you would have heard it before. We've, in addition to the 70% uplift that we saw on sales during the campaign, the two things that really excited us were the results post the campaign period. So the uplift was sustained in the post campaign period um, and we had strong continued performance in the control um, stores when we did our AB testing. 
And then the positive impacts that we saw as well on the brand consideration and in particular on branded search. So, our search results, branded search results, um, search results within mm. Amazon had been on a downward trajectory uh, and post the campaign completion were trending in an upward position, which is what we wanted to gain. Right. So, yeah, overall was the benefits of the immediacy with the sales results, but definitely the brand consideration, branded search were other benefits. So just a hypothetical, without the boxes going to homes and targeting those under 45 cat owners, would this thing have worked? No. Is <laughs> No. No. Blank. The, the outcome of that. Would it have worked? No. Would they? I might pause there. I'll see if anybody else has a jump in on this. My kind of approach to it is would it have worked? No, because how would a pet parent be able to engage in the way that they have with their cat in what we were able to deliver and execute and be reminded of this opportunity that they've got and being able to experience it. There was no other kind of way to engage in that way. Yeah, I'm assuming that um, your learned colleagues will agree, Sophie and Michelle, that there was without the boxes, there was no boom. That's right. It just become, yeah. this becomes an ad network by, a reach by, and I'm sure that would have done something because obviously there's, there's reach and effectiveness there, but I don't think we would have seen the scale of the uplift that we got. Mm. And just w- while we're on that, you just talked about the, you know, as a reach by, Cam, the notion, packaged goods is very, very heavily into Ehrenberg Bass principles of how brands grow and always on and targeting all category buyers. Does this fit into that that uh, framework neatly? And I guess the other part of the question is uh, you can be always on, you can always be reminding category buyers, but sometimes the product needs to be overhauled and reconditioned, refreshed. So product versus sort of those principles, just your top line thoughts on that if you've got any. I mean, first things first, Mars and in particular Whiskers absolutely support um, and have been big advocates of the principles behind the gross philosophy of Ehrenberg Bass. And within our plans for the year and ongoing, they continue to embed that within it. This played an awesome piece in being able to deliver exactly to Michelle's point around reach, relevance and reaction within it. Uh, within pet care, we have the opportunity through Amazon to talk to not only, yes, all category buyers, but cat pet parents as well too. So this, if we think of how this plays into the broader support of Whiskers support, where we do have always on reach, this plays that nice addition in being able to talk directly to cat parents in an audience that we knew we were needing to deliver and talk to. So it provided a more um, bespoke and detailed way of looking at that versus our total ecosystem and support plans on Whiskers. Got it. And Sophie, at a strategic level, you've got some thoughts? Yeah, I think um, in addition to what Cam said, so you've got your always own reach and then you had this moment in Amazon with this activation. But I think it was a really nice kind of cultural spike, if you like, to bring the brand to life and to really live the essence of the brand in a different way. But I think we, we tend to do that a lot on Mars. But what was really interesting about this particular spike is that it was linked to commerce, which I think, you know, was I think the beauty of this campaign it had it was full funnel if you like so it had that Mm. kind of cultural engagement at a time when we're all stuck at home receiving endless delivery boxes but it it also had that link to commerce which I think is really nice. Yes it is it's a tight link. So Cam I guess the 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 52 billion dollar question is how do you top this one because um, it was pretty big it was impactful it worked no pressure but you've got to follow up now what does that look like? (laughs) We are facing down the barrel of a huge uh, year on whiskers and 
our pet parents and consumers will definitely notice uh, that step change. It's going to be one of our biggest ever refreshes that we've had on the brand in its history. Everything from our recipes um, will be refreshed to continually to deliver on pet enjoyment. We're reducing and looking at ways to reduce our packaging to be more sustainable. Our visual brand identity is getting a modern revamp. So whilst absolutely still holding true to our powerful distinctiveness, it will be getting a refresh. And of course, we're going to be supporting the brand as we always have, but with a new uh, creative communications platform, which is called Permore, and really has this nice insight behind it around, you know, no cats per more than whiskers. And off the springboard of that platform, we've been working with um, Sophie and Michelle on how we're taking it to the next level. On this brand relaunch, does it include, when you talked about sort of products, are we going to see different sort of products that we would expect from whiskers historically because to your point you know there's lots of different things going on i mean i'm hearing sort of notions of uh pre-prepared cat meals being delivered uh and on a subscription basis all sorts of really interesting things i don't know if that's the case or not you'd know more than i but what happens to your product your packaging and your distribution just to um get your whole strategy in one blow thanks Um, you might just have to wait and see on that one um and but and and get some more cats so you can continue to buy within the category and enjoy the whiskers love I'm going to be looking in the aisle, I can tell you that. Okay, so I'm not going to get anywhere there, but we do get a tease that there'll be new products and new new packaging and products coming. Yes, there will be. And our core favourites, which we know reach, you know, more pet parents than any other brand, will also be getting an important hold on, let me talk about this. There's not necessarily new, it's kind of refreshing our core is how I would reframe it. So okay. it's, um, is it going to be a distinctive, noticeable difference? Absolutely. Will it continue to build off the powerful love that we've already got behind Whiskers, definitely. It's a core refresh. And I'm assuming that the part of the aim there is to keep enticing under 45-year-old cat owners that you are the cat's pants. Totally. Or the cat's whiskers, maybe. I'm not sure what <laughs> what, what metaphor I'm supposed to use there. but uh, the, In particular, our new visual brand identity is absolutely around getting that modern re-ramp. Holds true to our distinctiveness. And we know in other markets where we've tested this, we're about to roll out, the performance is really strong and being able to reach and attract those audiences. I'll have to go and have a, have a sniff around international markets now. Thanks for the tip, Cam. <laughs> um, Sophie, again, to you, the same question, really. Um, no pressure on, on Essence Mediacom to come up with some snappy new thinking, but where do, how do you manage that one? Well, as Cam said, with the brand refresh and this exciting new creative platform, Per More, um, there's a really lovely opportunity for us to kind of take that to the next level. And I think it won't be cats and boxes again, um, but what we will take from... Our learnings from that idea is two things. Firstly, it tapped into natural cat behaviour, which we will aim to do with purr more. We're going to do a lot with purring, <laughs> just as a heads right. up. And uh, secondly, um, you know, we, Cats in Boxes was a really participatory idea for both cat owner and the cat itself. And it was that interaction and that engagement between cat owner and and the cat that was really special. So this idea that we'll be launching this year, we'll do both of those things. So we're excited about that. And you've kind of probably talked to it, Sophie, but key lessons for you coming out of this would be what? I did briefly mention it, but my big learning is it's really difficult to break through in e-com. It's a very cluttered environment. It's, it's seen as quite a transactional and functional environment, media environment, incredibly important. But it's also quite hard to, as I said, break through in an emotional way. And I think this idea has shown us 
that you can create an emotional connection and a meaningful interaction in the e-com space if you push those boundaries and that's what we want mm. to do moving forward to really push push our partners in this space to do so. Michelle, any key, what's your key take out of this? Because you've worked on the business for quite some time, I think, right? I have actually, Paul, about three years. I've had the joy of working on Mars um, and love it, loved every minute of it. I think for us also um, the lesson is is around retail media in particular. You know, we will continue to explore partnerships um, within this retail media space. It's it's a really exciting sort of avenue for us as well as the ecosystem. So making sure that the ecosystem, you know, that it's that might have one big core idea at the centre of it, but all of the parts need to speak together mm. and all of the parts need to drive to a certain outcome. So that's really our learning from this experience as well and uh, one that, yeah, we're really excited about 2023 and what that might bring. Cam, for you in terms of key takeouts? I think a first instinct for marketers is to brief media partners and agencies on finding new partners, new solutions, new agent, you know, to deliver on your objectives. But actually what I love from this example is how can you rethink the partnerships that you've already got in place to do things differently? Yeah. And I've got one final question uh, for you, Cam, which is uh, clearly as we head into 23, the economics are looking sort of a bit wobbly and who knows what's, no one really knows what's going to happen. But so I'm assuming that, you know, because of the growth in, in pet ownership, that you're a little bit protected uh, from um, what might be coming to some other categories, um, whether it be banking finance or other consumer goods. So your outlook for this year in terms of marketing budgets, activity and the confidence for growth for your uh, suite of brands, what's that looking like for you at the moment? I think the thing I'm most proud of is that Whiskers is a brand that can serve all cat parents and it will continue to do so um, even through these challenging times. We are for all cats and for all cat parents and that is something that will help us, you know, into this year where it's really challenging for a lot of pet parents as well. So does that mean budgets start hold? We are supporting Whiskers, absolutely. Nice try, Paul. I tried. Well, Camille Shepard, Sophie Price, Michelle O'Brien, really interesting conversation. Really look forward to what's next and that brand free refresh. I'm going off to have a bit of a research now. But thanks for joining and uh, let's loop around for the next one. It could be a good conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.